In December 2022, $1,981 was the typical monthly rent in the United States, a 7.4% increase from the year prior. The COVID pandemic, along with record-breaking inflation, drove up rent prices in America to unprecedented levels. As the pandemic was alleviating, people were going back into the housing market and that created a really significant pressure on supply. In terms of what's happening right now, we are already seeing those prices falling and they're falling at a fairly rapid rate. Rents are going down now. Um, we've saw ended 2022 with four straight months of rent cuts. And then in January, uh, rents were flat for the first time since the great financial crisis. But while rent has begun to stabilize nationwide, rent affordability still remains difficult for many Americans. All you need is one illness. All you need is one pandemic to make your life more difficult. There's literally nowhere in the country where a tenant is not burdened by their rent. More than 19 million renters in America are rent burdened, spending more than 30% of their income on housing costs. Evictions are also climbing rapidly with the end of COVID-era protections. There have been more than 2 million evictions since March of 2020, in the just 10 states and 34 cities tracked by the eviction lab. In response, support for rent control policies has gained traction. We've already seen rent control being implemented in California, Oregon, in cities like Washington, D.C., and New York City, as well as St. Paul in Minnesota. So I would say it's definitely making a comeback. So can policy make rent more affordable in the United States? And if so, what would those policies be? Rent regulation refers to laws that limit rental prices in cities or states. Generally, it comes in two types, rent control and rent stabilization. To me, they're basically the same for this kind of modern generation of rent control laws. I think in New York City, they do make a, a distinction between rent control and rent stabilization. That's basically because there is a very old housing stock that are built before the war, essentially 1940-47. Those are under true rent control, meaning that they fix the level of rent. But then the modern wave of rent control policies typically allows more flexibility in the amount of rent increases. In California, the annual allowable increase in rents is about 5% plus the changes in local consumer price indices or 10%, whichever is lower. Today, just seven states, California, Maine, Maryland, Minnesota, New Jersey, New York, and Oregon, and District of Columbia have some form of rent control at the state or local level. Experts say that rent control policies that specifically target low-income tenants could be beneficial. When I talk about targeted rent control, I'm really speaking about affordable housing programs like the low-income housing tax credit, where low-income households can qualify to live in a quality rental property at a well below market rent, and those rents are set based on income year after year. And so it's a very positive program because you're directing the aid specifically to those who need it. Tenants living with rent stabilization say it plays a big role in their financial stability. Talia da Costa, a New York City tenant living in a rent stabilized apartment, has experienced what it's like firsthand. The problem with working in the entertainment field is that you don't know when your next gig is coming. When COVID happened, I had no idea where rent was coming from. Luckily, we had a lot of programs to help out with that, but I was still down 60 to $75,000. Once I learned the laws with rent stabilization, like it's a totally different ball game. They protect us, they have to treat our apartment better. So I feel 
really sorry for people who don't live in a rent stabilized apartment because you have no idea if your rent's gonna go up $500. Rent control could help boost a sense of community by preventing unfair displacement and gentrification. This is where my grandmother bought a house in 1958. This is where my mom moved at 15 and went to high school up this street. Rent stabilization keeps diversity. A socioeconomic mix is why I live here. There are people on welfare. There are $4 million homes right on this street that I was born on. I don't like the homogenized neighborhoods that plague New York. That's not New York. This isn't the first time that rent control policies have gained widespread support. After the massive economic disruption caused by World War II, the federal government once imposed rent control on roughly 80% of rental housing between 1941 and 1964. But over time, it was abandoned because prominent economists unanimously argued against the policy. That sentiment mostly continues today. There's various surveys of economists. Uh, one done by IMG showed that only 2% thought that rent controls in places like New York and San Francisco were having a positive impact on affordable housing. There's been other studies showing that the removal of rent control has actually had a positive impact on communities. Economists argue that rent control would deter developers from building more houses, which would only worsen the housing supply crisis in the United States. America already suffers from a deficit of 3.8 million homes, especially at low-income price points, according to Habitat for Humanity. We have not invested as a nation in building a supply of housing in a variety of communities and a variety of different price points. We've instead relied on the private sector to do so. And the private sector has the expertise to leverage that capital and the expertise and the know-how to build those units. But unless that money comes into the market and investors see that as a better investment than some other kind of equity or some other kind of investment, they're not gonna come. Preventing healthy turnover in the housing market could also hurt marginalized communities. If there's a rent stabilization program in place, you're really incentivizing the renter that's in that unit today not to move. And what does that mean for renters that want to be in that neighborhood or want to access to housing? They're shut out because that private market capital isn't available to build additional units. And who's the most growing segment of our population? It's people of color. Not only are we not doing anything to help them, we're actually hurting them by interfering with that, what would otherwise be general healthy turnover in the rental market. Our research have shown that uh, in the longer run, it actually leads to a overall reduction of affordable rental housing supply. It actually fuels gentrification and increases the income inequality. Our study do find evidence that are consistent with landlords trying very hard and trying actively to get out of rent control over the longer run by substituting their rental units to other types of housing that overall better cater towards higher income residents. So since I've lived here so long and there were people who had lived here for decades, um, I knew that they were trying to get me out. I knew that they wanted to get rent stabilized people out so that they could do renovations and hike up the rent. My apartment was falling apart. I had black mold. Then I had paint falling down. I found lead paint. Um, my super does not listen to me. <laughs> I knew exactly what they were doing. Um, it was ignoring me. It was telling me I'm the only person that has any problem out of all of their buildings. All it said to me is that you want me out of this apartment so that you can raise the rent $1,000. 
that's what they wanted. Bedford Holdings told CNBC that they deny these allegations and have addressed every issue in DaCosta's apartment. Perhaps the biggest flaw of rent control policies is that it may only be a short-term solution. Housing has always been a bipartisan issue. It is a basic human need. And so people on the right and on the left have supported various housing policy initiatives to create more housing. Unfortunately, we're in an environment now where politicians are looking for expedient short-term solutions to respond to concerns that their constituents raise. And rent control appears to be a very expedient solution, but it is a lot more complicated and in fact hurts the very folks that it purports to help. In January 2023, several progressive Democrats urged the federal government to take action against soaring rent prices. They suggested the Federal Housing Finance Agency to establish renter protections for individuals residing in properties financed with government-backed mortgage properties, including anti-price gouging protections and just cause eviction standards. They also requested the Federal Trade Commission to issue new regulations, defining excessive rent increases as a practice that unfairly affects commerce. That is going to be challenging, given that response and feedback we've already seen at a more local level, such as at the state level. But there are still other solutions beside rent control that could help alleviate the rent hikes across America. The first and most important step is to build more affordable housing to go around. That's the role of the government. The federal government is to build more government-owned affordable housing because that's really what's missing, that the private market cannot fill the gap that is created by the fact that we have so many people living on minimum wage. Tax incentives could not only boost new construction of affordable rental housing, but also provide a reason for landlords to keep rent prices low. There are opportunities at the state and local level to provide tax abatement, real estate tax abatement, for owners that are willing to provide housing and limit rents for a certain period of time for a certain number of units. We've seen those happen in, in a number of states and, and those are, can be successful strategies. Until supply catches up with demand, certain governmental programs can help fill the gap. We really need to expand uh, housing vouchers. We're seeing long waiting lists all across the country. Um, in Los Angeles, for instance, they recently reopened their waiting list for the first time in five years. They were expecting something like 365,000 applicants, but only had 30,000 spots. We're at a sort of inflection point where more investment on that side would certainly, I believe, help the folks at the lowest end of the income ladder, and that would help push prices down. Policy backed by proper research, can lessen the burden for more than a third of Americans that pay rent across the country. It's so important to bifurcate between where the challenges are and where they aren't. Everybody looks at rental housing as one big bucket, but it's, it's a diverse, large group of people from different income levels, different walks of life. And it's so important not to talk about renters as one big group, but really focus on the renters who are most in need. And I think that the more we can focus our conversations and our policy on renters in need, and the more targeted we are of our solutions, I think the more effective we'll be in solving for it.